What is up, plant people? Today is Tuesday, the 22nd of June, 2021. And you're listening to the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, and general awesomeness of some really cool plant people. We talk to them and we figure out why they keep doing what they do. I'm Vikram Baligi, your host and your humble guide, and I'm thrilled, as always, to be with you today. Now, if you listened to last week, you might remember that we're doing things a little bit differently through the summer. Normally, you would hear um, a great interview with a really cool, really great plant person. Today, you're stuck with me. Oh, oh no. So for the f- next few weeks, um, I'm going to be doing some solo stuff. I'm working on recording and banking and saving up some interviews so that uh, there'll be more of them going forward and some cool stuff for you to, to hear in the fall. And I've got some great guests lined up, and I really cannot wait for you to hear from all of them. Um, it's just been a crazy summer. I think with the end of the semester, everyone gets busy. I understand my life's there too. So uh, I'm going to bank some interviews over the next few weeks. And probably in August, we'll get going again with some really cool plant people. And uh, again, but till then, you're stuck with really whatever I am, me. Uh, And last week, we had a great episode, I think. I think it turned out pretty well, if I do say so myself, about... um, how to get through the summer. And and I just want to say it's officially summer now. The uh, summer solstice was e- uh, Sunday, not yesterday, Sunday, on the 20th, I think at at least my time, 10.31 p.m. Um, and, and on the summer solstice here where I live, it was 106 degrees. That's too many of them, y'all. That's like, what, 30 to 40 C, 39.5 C. Um, and today... Which, uh, as I record this, it's Monday, uh, the 21st. It's um, 75 degrees and overcast and windy. So it's it's a full, like, 30 degrees cooler than yesterday. And I just, I'm just going to be sick forever. I've got, like, sinus congestion. You don't care about any of this. I'm sorry. I'm rambling at you. But you should, you know, if you've, if you've made it this far into the show... Uh, you should, you should know by now how this goes. And if you're new, I'm so glad to to have you with us. I never ramble. It's totally new and unique to today. Hey, a couple of things before I jump into today's topic. Uh, follow on social media. If you look up Planthropology and look for the rad bristlecone pine, um, drawn by the wonderful Dr. Beth Nichols, uh, you'll find us. So Planthropology, it's Anthropology with a P-L slapped haphazardly on the front i'm on facebook instagram and twitter uh so look me up connect join planthropology's cool plant people facebook group it's a lot of fun there's lots of plant questions lots of memes i think you'll enjoy it also i took the last of my self-respect over to tiktok with me and i left it there so follow me at the plant prof on tiktok and drop some ideas for content for that if you're a tiktok type human uh, it's actually a lot of fun. I didn't want to like it. I've been, you know, bitter since Vine died. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and I have fun doing it. So if you have any ideas for, for content, anything you'd like to see me cover on TikTok in a minute-long video, uh, let me know, and I'd love to do it. Okay, today's topic. What is in a label? What's in a label? I mentioned this a little bit last time. Uh, but there is a lot that goes into reading a plant label, whether that is the tag that gets stuck in a pot, when you're at the store, uh, or the the back of a seed packet. There's a lot of information there. And I think that it is, like 
so many things not super clear. It's a little opaque in some ways. So I thought I would spend just a little bit of time today talking about different types of labels that you'll encounter in the garden center. So we're going to talk about seed packets. We're going to talk about plant labels or plant tags. We're going to talk about fertilizers, and we're going to talk about herbicides. Now, uh, I know some people are not the biggest fan. Herbicide or herbicide? Huh. You let me know. Is it herbicide or is it herbicide? Uh, because I don't know anyone named Herb, but that seems like a threat. I don't know. You let me know. Uh, comment on social media or text me or email me at uh, planthropologypod at gmail.com or send me an angry voice message. I don't know. Let me know. Herbicide or herbicide? Anyway, uh, we'll talk about her- herbicide labels as well because I think that's super important. Um But yeah, I think this will be a good episode. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So settle in, grab a cup of not herbicide, and uh, get ready for episode like 51 of the Planthropology Podcast, What's in a Label? Okay, so there is a lot of information, like I mentioned on a label, whether that is a seed packet, a plant tag, uh, a, a fertilizer bag, or anything in between, the company that has produced this product is trying to tell you how to use the product. You know, there's a lot of crazy safety warnings out there, right? Like, please do not stop chainsaw with face. Those end up on there for a reason. That's We'll talk about that another time. Um, But there's a lot of great information on a plant label or on a seed packet. So we're actually going to start with seed packets. But before we get into that, why do we need to know? Why is it important? Why should we be taking the time before we buy the product, before we take it home and try to put it in our landscape? Why should we be reading the label? Well, the biggest thing is, is it tells you how to use the product, right? Now, I'm saying product pretty loosely. This could be uh, uh, seeds. This could be a already grown plant in a pot or whatever else. It could be a bag of fertilizer. It could be a bottle of um, weed killer, herbicide. Uh, and, And it's important before you use it, but really even before you buy it, that you know that the thing you're buying is suitable for your needs. And that's super important, right? So you wanna make sure you are... Uh, finding the right planting times and the right planting requirements and that you're matching the season to your seed and your location to your seed. Uh, You need to know the proper usage. If you're going to be using a fertilizer in your yard, you should probably know how much to apply and how to apply it and at what rate and where and when and why and how and what's the other one? What? I think I already said what. Uh, And that's super true of herbicides as well Uh, because the herbicide label as well as a fertilizer label to a certain extent, is a legal document, a legal document, especially on herbicides or any kind of pesticide. Uh, It is evaluated by the EPA, by all kinds of governing bodies, to make sure that the things that are on that label are true. And so when you go to apply, say, glyphosate, I'm going to try to avoid saying any trade names as much as possible, Um, but glyphosate is the main ingredient in a uh, herbicide uh, that is named after a shape that is a ball, the shape of a ball, in a direction that's not down, right? Um, and it's been in the news a lot. 
and there's a lot of litigation and all kinds of things about the Roundup herbicide, right? Which is the main ingredient is glyphosate. And a lot of these problems that we're seeing and a lot of the lawsuits and the um, health concerns and all of that comes from off-label inappropriate applications. So it's important for you to know how to apply a product. And it's really important because that is your illegal contract with the company producing it. But we'll start with seed packets. So let's jump into seed packets. So I've, uh, I went into, we have a supply of seeds out here at the greenhouse and I went and I dug out a couple of different ones. Now, all of the ones that I pulled out are annual seeds. Um, and, and you can find annual seeds and perennial seeds. Again, an annual is a plant that completes its whole life cycle in one growing season or one year. Uh, and a perennial um, takes two or more years to complete its whole life cycle. So germination, growth, flowering, reproduction, and death, right? It takes more than two seasons. So these seed packets I'm looking at are um, annual seeds. And and a lot of times that's what we're going to see, right? We're going to see annual seed packets. And if you go to your garden center, a lot of the perennials come already grown out in, you know, a one-gallon, a five-gallon uh, container, something like that. Uh, they're, they're a little bit larger material sometimes, but you can buy perennial seeds. So the information that you're going to find, I'm just going to read through the back of this, and I know that you can't see it, but hey, remember TikTok? I'm going to do a video about this. So go follow me on TikTok and see that, and you'll get to see this cool seed packet. So um, these provide a lot of information, okay? So generally, one thing you're going to see if you look at the front of the package is the name of the plant. Um, sometimes this will be a common name. Sometimes this will be a, um, uh, scientific name. Uh, and it gives a lot of information. So I'm looking at a, uh, packet called, um, from a company called Renee's Garden. It's butterfly flowers and it's flashback calendula. And it's a, a really pretty orange flower. Uh, so there's a picture, it's hand drawn, but it's an accurate picture of the flower and the plant. It says early blooming se semi-double cutting flowers in gold, peach, and orange. So that tells me that there's going to be a mix of colors in this packet. It tells me what colors to expect and how the plant is gonna grow. It tells me the basic growth aspect of the plant. Now this information that you see is going to vary a little bit based on the company and based on the way they present the information. Now if I flip it over, um, at least this seed packet tells me a description of the plant. It tells me that they are early blooming. Um, they uh, are grow as sort of a small rounded shrub. They have sturdy branches. Uh, tells me the flower size, two to three inch blossoms in satiny shades of orange, apricot, rosy peach, and cream, many with petals backed with deep red or maroon. They add sparkle to country style bouquets and always attract visiting butterflies. Calendula petals have been used for centuries in soothing lotions and salves. Their, ed the, their edible petals make colorful salad garnishes. So that, that's a lot of information, right? That tells me how to use the plant and the common uses of the plant in the landscape or secondary uses of that plant. It also tells me a lot of stuff about how to plant the plant, okay? So um, it says plant in uh, either February through April, April or July through August. Um, it tells me the sun requirement. So these are full sun plants. It tells me the planting depth. It says half an inch, the seed spacing of an inch, uh, and then some, 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 actually some important information here is the days to germination and the mature height of the plant, because you need to know how, like, how quickly that seed's going to come up. 
and when you should start worrying, right? So a lot of times people will plant a seed. Two days later, that seed's not up and they freak out. Oh no, my seeds are dead, whatever. So this plant takes seven to 14 days to germinate and it reaches its mature height of 18 to 24 inches. Um, also on this packet, it tells me the scientific name, uh, Calendula officinalis. It tells me it's a hardy annual, so it will bloom in the spring and fall, kind of shuts down a little in the summer, but will but it'll also take a light frost. So this may be one that you can grow a little bit earlier, or if you're in a place like I am, that's prone to late freezes in the spring or early freezes in the fall, it's going to be able to tolerate a little bit of that. Uh, it tells you that you can, or how to start the seeds. So this one has instructions about how to seed it directly out into the garden. Uh, sow seeds one inch apart in well-drained soil in full sun. Cover a half inch deep, firm soil, and keep seed bed moist. Germination takes a week to two weeks. Uh, after seedlings are well-established, thin or transplant eight inches apart, etc., etc. Um but then it also gives me instructions on if I want to start these indoors and transplant them out, um, how to do that. Uh, this is actually cool because it actually tells me as well some good companion plants. Grow this quick flowering easy annual along with snapdragons, cornflowers, and pansies for late spring bloom. In mild climates, so again in late summer for winter or very early spring flowers. So a ton of information. Um, something that this does not talk about because it's an annual is hardiness zones. You're only going to see hardiness zone information on a plant that is intended to go multiple seasons, right? If it's an annual, the assumption is that it's going to get to the end of the season, it's going to die anyway, uh, and, you know, that's it. So if you buy a perennial plant or a perennial seed, it'll tell you that USDA hardiness zone. Uh, we'll talk about that more in just a second. Um, another one I've got here, just because it has a little bit more information, is uh, Burpee Seeds Alyssum Royal Carpet. So it's an alyssum. The uh, uh, cultivar name is Royal Carpet. The front of this seed packet tells me um, the height of the plant. Uh, it tells me the sun requirements and the um, bloom period. Uh, but if I flip it over, this one also tells me days to bloom. So it doesn't just tell me days to germination, which is eight to 10 days, but also days to bloom, which is 50 to 60. If you're trying to plan your landscape, you need to know how quickly that plant is actually going to have flowers, right? And then you can decide, do you want to direct seed it, which is fine. Or do you want to, um, transplant indoor or started indoors and then transplant it out once it's a little bit more mature so you don't have to wait as long actually in the landscape for it to bloom. So lots of information on a seed packet. Really useful stuff overall. Okay, the second thing I want to discuss is how to read a plant tag. So you've decided that you want to go to blue or orange box store or your local garden center and buy a plant that's already been started and is already mature that you can just plant out in the landscape. Totally great. Okay, uh, these plants are generally going to have a tag in them that gives you similar information in some ways to your seed packets, um, but there's going to be less about germination and that kind of stuff and seeding because someone else has done that for you. You don't have to worry about that, right? So now this is going to vary quite a bit. Okay, uh, again, every company does this a little different. Every um, uh, say nursery does this a little bit different, but I want to give you some basic information of some different things that you might see on a plant label or a plant tag. 
So on the front, very commonly, the first thing you're going to see up at the very top is uh, information on sun exposure. Okay, this is one of the biggest things that we have to consider. We talked about this last week when we talked about placement in the garden. So um, the label I'm looking at is for an African marigold. Okay, um, these are at least going to have the common name, uh, but a lot of times they'll have the scientific name on the front of the label as well. So this is African marigold, Tagetes erecta. Okay, tells me it's an upright uh, plant in the Tagetes genus. So um, in terms of sun exposure, this one says full sun, which marigolds very much are, and it says six plus hours of direct sunlight. And that's pretty clear, right? We mentioned last time how not all sunlight is created equal, and you probably don't want to put it, you know, out in the middle of a parking lot where it's going to get 15 hours of direct sun or whatever. Um, but overall, it's not that big of a deal, right? Uh, especially marigolds are very heat tolerant. Uh, it's going to tell you the bloom season. When can you expect the plant to bloom? So this one is spring, summer, and fall. Uh, this is very much an annual. It says that on here as well. Seasonal color, mounting annual. Um, and that's it. So on the back you're going to get a lot more information. Uh, generally, you're going to see water requirements. It's going to tell you how often to water the plant um, and in, in what quantities. Uh, it'll tell you the average mature size of the plant. When you're planting your landscape, plan for a mature plant, especially if you're planting uh, perennials, right? So you go out and you buy a little, say, let's say burr oak. I really like burr oaks. And you think, oh, this tree is beautiful, right? It's got a, a trunk about two inches in diameter. It's got a canopy about three feet. And you're like, oh, this is going to be great up near the house. What you don't realize is that in 15 years, that tree could be 60 feet tall. It could have a 30-foot wide canopy. And it could have a trunk that I couldn't wrap my arms around, right? So you need to know the mature size of the plant. And the back of these labels is often going to tell you that. It tells you the height and width. So when you go out to space them, uh, which is also presented here, um, you know how far apart to put them, right? So this one says uh, for this African marigold, they grow 18 to 20 inches high by 10 to 12 inches wide. And the company re recommends spacing them eight to 12 inches apart. Now you do not have to follow their rules as far as the spacing goes, right? That is a recommendation. And it's planning for, again, the mature size uh, of the plant. Sometimes if you want an immediate landscape, you can cut that down by a couple of inches and uh, pack your plants in a little closer. Generally with your annuals, that's fine. I would caution you against doing that too much with your um, perennials. Uh, it'll talk about cold hardiness. So this is non-hardy below 40 degrees. Once you get into you know, fall and it's down in the 30s, 40s, this plant's about done. Uh, if it was a perennial that's cold hardy, it would give you a USDA hardiness zone, at least in the US. Okay, so I think other countries probably have similar systems, but in the US, it gives you a hardiness zone. What a hardiness zone tells you is the average annual um, lowest temperature. Now, it's not an average temperature, but um, so for, I, I live in zone seven, seven B, which if you look that up means that we on average will reach a temperature between zero and 10 degrees Fahrenheit, um, during the winter. And that tells you, will your plant be hardy in zone seven or, uh, is it zone eight or zone six or whatever? And it all depends, right? And it's all 
relative, right? So uh, some plants, like if if I find a plant that's hardy to zone four, I would not hesitate in terms of cold planting that out there. Um, it's going to tell you how often to fertilize sometimes. It doesn't always have that information, but that is sometimes on there. Um, and what they've started adding on here as well is a pollinator attention, a bee hazard warning, right? And so you may see a picture of a bee and uh, look for that bee hazard warning. So in some cases, these plants are treated with systemic insecticides, which can be toxic to bees. Um, that's not always the case, uh, but sometimes it is. Uh, there may be a number you can text or a website you can go to to find more information about the plant. Um, but then down at the bottom, a lot of times it'll tell you uh, growth habit. Is it a mounding plant? Is it an upright perennial? It'll tell you the water status. Is it water-wise or a heavy water user? Um, is there any kind of animal resistance? Sometimes you'll see deer resistance or rabbit resistance or something like that because those can be major uh, issues in parts of the country or parts of the world even. Um, and then at the very bottom, a lot of times you'll find planting steps. And it's uh, just sort of an, a guide of how to best plant your plant and give it the best chance of actually growing into something that you want in your landscape. So lots and lots and lots of information on these labels. Again, I'm going to do a series of videos on essentially what I'm talking about. And they'll probably go on YouTube or, or TikTok or social media. You'll find them out there. Uh, and, and I'll go through some of this actually visually, but I think it's good to hear it because I know a lot of y'all are still planting right now and you're still putting things in your landscape. Oh, anyone tired yet? I've got two more to go and I'm, we're at 21, 40, 22, 23 minutes. We're fine. We're going to keep rolling. Okay. Because these last two are actually really important. Um, not that the other ones weren't, but these are very important. So I want to talk to you before we wrap up about fertilizers and herbicides herbicides i still haven't decided okay so we'll start with fertilizers because it's kind of the more innocuous of the two if you're fertilizing your landscape we talked about fertility a little bit last week as well uh you need to know how much fertilizer to put out um, I think it's very common for people to go like go buy two bags of fertilizer, put one in the front, one in the back, call it good. But you're way over fertilizing. Um, a lot of that's going to run off, end up in waterways, end up in a lot of different places that you really don't want fertilizer. Uh, plus, you're just wasting money, right? It's just a waste of money. So if you look at a fertilizer label, uh, it's also going to tell you a lot of information. One of the main things you're looking for on your bag of fertilizer is something we call an NPK ratio. That's nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Now, we're not talking necessarily uh, elemental nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Usually, we're looking at um, different compounds that, that make this up. So, it's uh, nitrogen, phosphate, and potash, um, or potash, potash, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um but you need to know how these numbers work. So say you buy a bag that weighs 50 pounds and it's a 10, 10, 10. What that tells you is that you have 10 pounds of nitrogen in that bag, 10 pounds of phosphorus and 10 pounds of potassium, okay, NPK. Um, so those numbers you see on the front of the bag, it's a percentage of the total bag weight. Then you know if I have to put 10 pounds of nitrogen out of my landscape, I need two bags, right? Because your 50 pound bag, has five pounds in it because it's 10% of 50. Um, and then you need two bags. 
right? I didn't. Did you realize there'd be this much math in this episode? I didn't necessarily intend for that, but this is important. Okay, so again, there are percentages of total weight. Uh, of the bag. Um, This gets important when you talk about putting together a fertility program for your landscape. You know, at this point, as if you listen to the last episode, you should have gone and gotten a soil test. And they'll make a recommendation of saying, oh, your lawn needs um, four pounds of nitrogen uh, or five pounds of nitrogen um, per thousand square feet to make up for your nitrogen deficiency. Okay, so uh, in this case, if you've got a 50 pound bag, uh, you need uh, and it's a 10, 10, 10. You've got five pounds of each of these different elements in it, these nutrients in it. You put one bag out and you've met your requirement for that area. Okay, so um, the bag is also going to tell you your application rate. How far will that bag go? Will it do, uh, say, a thousand square feet or 10,000 square feet or whatever? It gives you a lot of information. It tells you what forms these different uh, uh compounds are in all these different elements are in um is it ammonium nitrate is it urea is it something else that that gives you your nitrogen and it'll give you um all your different breakdowns of where these nutrients come from uh and then it tells you how to apply it do you do it uh with some kind of a fertilizer spreader it'll tell you the setting to use and all those things so knowing what's in your bag of fertilizer is actually super really important so that you know how much you're using that you're not over applying one thing or uh, leading to runoff or maybe under applying as well that in some cases if you're worried about your plant health can be just as bad okay the final thing i want to talk to you about is in some ways i'm not going to say the most important but maybe something you need to pay the most attention to and that is a herbicide label okay because um these are pesticides they are poisonous chemicals that you're applying to your landscape now i i this is not you know intended to be a debate on whether this is good or bad right that's a value judgment that you kind of have to make for yourself in the way that you manage your landscape but uh, i want to tell you if you are someone that is going to go out and apply herbicides you need to know what you're using okay and you need to read the label uh in some detail before you use the product. But like I said at the beginning, really it should be before you buy the product. You're better off that way. So you go out and you find some kind of product, right? Uh, Weed killer, pro, ultra, it doesn't matter, right? Uh, There's hundreds of brand names or trade names out there. Every company has a similar herbicide, probably every company that makes one. Um... And so they're going to use whatever trade name they want to use. And you're going to find that someone on there. It's probably it's probably the biggest thing up at the top. It's going to tell you if it's a concentrate, if it's going to tell you if it's a premix ready to use, but it'll have some kind of um, trade name uh, attached to it, okay? Um, it doesn't matter that much, right? The trade names don't really matter that much. What you need to look at is the product type. You need to know what kind of product it is, okay? So in some cases, it's going to tell you herbicide for the control of, say, woody brush or weeds or insecticide for control of fruits, nuts, or insects and fruits, nuts, and ornamental. Uh, It may tell you it is a broadleaf herbicide for use in lawns or a grass herbicide uh, for use in garden beds. That information should be on the front of the bag uh, or the front of the bottle, and it should tell you exactly 
um, in what way this product is intended to be used. Um, sometimes on the bag you may see, or on the bottle you may see things like EPA registration numbers, EPA establishment numbers, manufacturer name and addresses, and all of that. Sometimes that's there on the front. Sometimes it's in on the back on the actual label. Uh, most of these are going to have sort of a front cover that gives some of this information, but then a larger sort of accordioning fold-out label on the back of the product. Um, and that's where a lot of the actual detailed information is going to be. Uh, is on the actual label. So you need to look at the front of it. It'll give you some information, but you really need to read that full label. Usually on the front, there's going to be an ingredient statement as well. So don't worry about the trade names. Again, there's tons of them. There's so many of them out there. But what you need to look at is what's actually in the product, which herbicides, which products are being used. So it's going to provide the common or chemical name and amount of each actual active ingredient uh, and passive ingredient in the container. So the first thing is going to be the active ingredient or ingredients. Sometimes there's more than one, depending on what you're trying to control for. Uh, I mentioned the big scary circle, not down product <laughs> earlier that contains glyphosate. So glyphosate is going to be the main ingredient. Um, if you buy an over-the-counter ready-to-spray one, you may see that the bottle contains, say, 4% glyphosate or something like that. Uh, if you buy a concentrate that you mix yourself, it may say 40 or 60% glyphosate. And then that label will include instructions on how to mix that with water, how much water to mix it with, in what kind of container, what kind of nozzle, all of that stuff to spray it um, effectively, okay? Um, it'll also have uh, um, a, a line on there about inert or other ingredients. Now, these are not chemically active things that uh, are have herbicidal properties. It may be uh, water or salts or other kind of carriers, it may not tell you exactly what those are, um, but it will tell you a percentage, right? And all of that, it'll total up to 100%, and you know what's in the product. Also, some things that you need to understand, and I, and I want to spend a couple of minutes on this, is signal words, okay? So the front of the label, usually on the front of the label, uh, definitely on that packet in the back, um, it's going to give you signal words talking about the toxicity of the product. And there's several um, levels to this, okay? Uh, and I want to go through these real quick. Um, all of them are going to say some kind of signal word, uh, and it's going to say keep out of reach of children. <laughs> so regardless of the toxicity, don't let your kids play with herbicides. Um, and it'll, so it'll tell you all this information, right? Uh, there are several levels of this. Um, there's danger or danger poison, okay? Uh, and that's going to be the most toxic of um, our, our signal words that you're going to see, okay? Danger or danger poison is the, the most toxic one. Um, these are going to be products that can usually cause acute toxicity to humans and animals. So that means, um, you know, it can cause either sickness or death or or something in acute uh, doses. So we talk about acute toxicity and chronic toxicity or long-term toxicity. Uh, acute means that it happens quickly. Uh, chronic 
means that it may take a long time for it to cause problems, okay? So generally, a danger or a danger poison uh, is going to be highly toxic by any route of entry into the body. That can be skin to contact, that can be inhalation, that can be like ingestion or drinking. Uh, it can cause eye damage, skin irritation, all those. Um, most of the time, if you go to your garden center, your your box store, you're not going to see a lot of these danger uh, signal words on there because most of the products sold over the counter uh, tend to be a little less toxic because they're intended for use by the public. The next one down is warning. So these are going to be moderately toxic products, um, either orally, dermally, through skin t- contact, um, through inhalation. It can cause moderate skin or eye irritation, um, and it can cause you know some acute symptoms. What you're probably going to see most commonly is caution. So these are going to be slightly toxic products, either orally, dermally, or through inhalation. Uh, most of, again, the over-the-counter stuff is going to be in this caution, slightly toxic um, area of... Um, of signal words, of toxicity. Um, That does not mean that you should not be careful with it, okay? Um, You need to know how to apply it safely. You need to know when and in what conditions to apply it, and you need to know to what plants or uh, environments or or systems you can apply this, right? Um, No herbicide, no insecticide, no pesticide is completely safe. I don't care if it's organic or synthetic or something you saw on uh, some blog on the internet that's like, oh yeah, you mix this up with soap and vinegar and blah, 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 and you kill. Every insecticide or pesticide or herbicide is intended to kill something, Uh, whether it be fungus or an insect or a weed, it's intended to kill something. So regardless of what you hear, uh, organic insecticides, organic pesticides are not safe. Uh, synthetic pesticides are not safe. Now, there are uh, variable amounts of safety. Some are safer than others, but none of them are 100% safe because they are used to kill or control something, okay? And I, I, I'm i not trying to be like a, a downer or whatever, but that's really important to understand. You have got to understand that, okay? Um, other things that you're gonna find on the label, again, precautionary statements, uh, different possible hazards. You're gonna see that in that booklet on the back. Hazards to humans and domestic animals. Um, uh, can this, you know, some products are more toxic to say uh, fish or invertebrates or birds than they are to mammals. It tells you about all that. Um, uh, potential environmental hazards, potential physical and chemical hazards. Uh, and there's usually a first aid or statement of practical treatment on the back. Um, if you are poisoned by a pesticide in some way, you should call the poison control hotline, uh, call a doctor, um, and, and make sure that you're getting the proper treatment. Um, you're also going to see in directions for use in that booklet on the back of the label. Uh, it tells you how to properly use the product, safely use the product, uh, to get the best results without harming yourself, others, or the environment. Um, it's going to tell you what pests the product is registered to control. So are you trying to kill, um, say, uh, purple nut sedge in your landscape? Well, you need to make sure that the product is labeled for that. Where can the product be used? Uh, around which plants, which animals, and which locations? It'll tell you how to apply the, apply the product, 
how much to use, when the product should be applied, how often to apply it, uh, how soon the crop can be used or eaten after an application. Uh, generally, we call that a harvest interval. It may say uh, with some organic products, you can consume and harvest uh, immediately. Uh, with some, it may say um, 24 hours or a week or 30 days. It just depends on the type of product. Um, and there's also something called an REI or a re-entry interval. And that tells you how soon can people or animals and re-enter the treated area after application. Um, some of these are going to say as soon as the product is dry. So maybe an hour, uh, two hours. Some of them have a 12 hour REI or a 24 hour REI. Uh, you just need to make sure, um, that you know how long you have to wait before going back in the area where you've used this product. Um, um, uh, another thing it's going to tell you is disposal. How can you? How should you be storing this product? How should you dis dispose of this product? And also, what PPE should you use? Now, PPE is personal protective equipment. Um, some of them it may just say wear gloves and a long sleeve shirt. Some of them it may say you need uh, eye protection or a respirator or um, sort of a more complete uh, body covering, some kind of a suit. So you need to know all this information. Uh, it's a lot. And, um, you know, for some of you, this may not be an issue because some of you may not ever use herbicides or uh, I think I've said it different every time. It's okay. Uh, some of you might not really use herbicides or other pesticides in the landscape or at all. And that's fine. That's fine. You, you do you. Okay. Uh, but if you are going to use one of these products, you need to know how toxic is it? How can you protect yourself, others, and the environment from it? Uh, what plants it's targeting and which plants it's safe around and all the other stuff we just talked about. So this is a legal document. And if you use the product according and, and completely according to the labeled use and there's a problem, the company has some liability. Uh, however, if you make an off-label application, you know, if you think, oh, here's the application rating that says I need two ounces of this product, but if two ounces is good, then four ounces is even better, don't do that. Do not do that. Use the product at the labeled rate. Don't go under the label rate. Don't go over the labeled rate. Use the labeled rate. It is a contract between you and the company and is a legal document. Okay, make sure you read the label and make sure you follow the label. Have I harped on that enough? I think I probably have. So um, overall, I, I think that as we're working in the landscape, as we're working with our plants, there is so much to learn and so much to know. And one of the places to start is by reading labels, right? We've covered uh, seed packets, plant tags, fertilizers, and herbicides. And I think that um, knowing what is uh, important, knowing what's included, knowing what's available, uh, is going to make you a lot more successful in everything you do. So uh, make sure that you are um, covering everything that you need to do. Make sure you are uh, being detailed in the way that you read the label and approach everything. I think it's super important. Um, and uh, you're going to do great you're going to do great. And you know, if you have questions about anything I've covered, if you need uh, some more practical advice about how to read the label of whatever product or seed packet or whatever you've bought, hit me up. I would love to answer your email about that and, and uh, help you out with that. And again, uh, stay tuned. I'm going to have some videos about this stuff as well. But uh, did I miss anything? I'm sure I did. But that's okay. It's all right. 
So, hey, y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for being awesome, as always. Y'all are great. I know you know that. You know I think you're great. Um, But thanks for putting up with a different format for a while. It uh, means a lot to me that you're hanging in there, even though things are a little different at the moment. Y'all keep being the coolest plant people I know. And I'll talk to you next week about the ways that we've used trees in different world traditions throughout time. Y'all have a great week, and we'll talk soon. (laughs) 